Hey Lux On Demand family, I'm Andy, also known as Chino Mage, and I'm super excited to welcome you to our YouTube channel for Lux Digital Church. Now normally we do live church service streams every Wednesday evening over at twitch.tv slash luxdigitalchurch starting at 8.30 p.m. EST. It's a whole lot of fun getting the chance to talk with you live and to really interact with all of you. But also, our church mainly gathers on Discord, and you'll see the link below. Grab that, head over there. We'd love to get the chance to hang out with you week in and week out. But for now, sit back and relax as we get ready for a brand new talk here on YouTube. Hey Lux, Pastor Mark. I am the lead pastor here at Lux Digital Church. We're so glad to have you here tonight, especially if you're joining us for the first time. And before I dive in tonight, I think it is important that we mention one thing. Love seeing the amens in chat. So many people who are here with us tonight. I want to let you know that we love you guys and we appreciate you. Thank you to our entire Dream Team who serves so faithfully every single week, both here and um, in our Discord. Ryan Michael, it's good to see you back in church, man. Welcome in. Hope you're doing well, dude. Um, I uh, But I want to bring up one thing because we we forgot to do something from the couch today and that is that today is chino mage's birthday now i'm not going to sing to him because i'm a terrible singer and i'm not going to have the accompaniment of my wife and david from the couch like we had planned to do earlier hi breach 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 that's good to see you um but it is it is his birthday today so chino mage happy birthday thank you so much for serving our church and our church family so faithfully over the course of the last year chino's now been on staff here um since august i think 15th of last year so he's now been on staff with us as our director of on-demand ministries for over a year so happy birthday my dude and i know you tried to hide it from me but we're so glad to have you here tonight the thing i want to mention is that the image behind me was actually taken by our very own greg uh the milkman he took this picture from the savannah uh, in Uganda while we were there. And we're using it this week with the launch of both the child sponsorship program and the premiere of the Uganda documentary. Um, and so just a really incredible picture taken literally uh, like from the safari vehicle that we were on on one of the last days that we spent in Uganda when we did sort of like a morning tour of the savannah up by the Nile River. Um, he got to take this picture. Absolutely incredible and totally, totally beautiful. So thank you, Greg, for your faithfulness as well as just lending your skill set to our church and enabling us to do really, really cool stuff like this, like preach from the African savannah, although I get to chill in the studio and I don't have to be super sweaty and hot. Um, well, welcome in, everybody. If you're here for the very first time, thank you for coming and joining us. A special shout out to anybody who decided to follow us tonight with Youper and M Hightower 2006. Stinky Winky, thank you guys for coming out and joining us tonight. And if you're here tonight and you're brand new, well, welcome in. We're so glad to have you. And I'm going to challenge you. Whenever you feel prepared, go ahead and take a next step with us by hitting follow here on the channel or saying hello in the chat. If you click follow on the channel, all that we're going to do is send you a DM inviting you to come and join us at church next week and inviting you to come and join us on our Discord server. If you say hello in the chat, all we're going to do is welcome you into our community. We're so glad to have you here with us. And if you're joining us later on, well, then thanks for coming by and you're a member of our on-demand family. We love and care about you and we deeply appreciate you investing some time in your spiritual walk this week. In the last couple of weeks, we've had some really cool and powerful questions to tackle at the end of service. And what we've decided to do as those questions come in is 
We're going to begin taking some of those that we didn't get a chance to fully address in a post service and using them for our Monday night lives in September and October. And so if you have questions, I want you to know that Lux was created for a place so that people who are exploring faith and weren't sure about Jesus would have a safe place to come and ask questions and to engage in conversation about it. A lot of times church can be pretty one-sided conversationally. You go to church and a lot of people speak at you, but there's not a lot of opportunity to engage and ask questions back. And so one of the reasons that we started Lux and started in entirely online church was so that it would give people a safe place to be able to ask questions who are on spiritual journey. We say all the time here at Locks, we're not a place of spiritual authority. We're a place of spiritual guidance. So if you're on spiritual journey and you have genuine questions about faith or about what Christians believe about what the Bible teaches or what Jesus said or did, feel free to ask them because we take those questions and we take them really seriously. We do our best to be able to answer them in message series, but also in post service and live streams throughout the month. So if you have questions, keep asking them. We've had some really great ones over the past couple of weeks. Tonight, we are closing out a five-piece collection of messages called Screen Name, where we've been intentionally looking at the different names that Jesus had and how that impacts and what that impacts our lives and what that tells us about our lives. Before I jump into that, for all of you who are listening later on over YouTube or over uh, maybe our podcast or something, I just want to encourage you to come out on September 1st to a live stream event that we're going to have on Twitch. We're going to be premiering a brand new documentary about this incredible couple that we met while we were in Uganda and spent time with and stayed with. We would love to have you come out at 8.30 p.m. EST right on our Twitch page to come and hang out with us and join us. So please come out and join us. Now back to the message and what we're talking about tonight. As we're getting ready to close out this series, we've kept a key statement that's linked all of our messages together and kept us focused on the same and simple things. And this key statement was this, knowing who Jesus is, knowing who Jesus really is, helps us to understand who we are. Knowing who Jesus really is, helps us to understand who we are. We've talked about that in a lot of different contexts. We've talked about Jesus as being savior and Messiah and redeemer. We've talked about Jesus being a rabbi and a good teacher, about being a good shepherd and what it meant to be a shepherd. Last week, we talked about Jesus being the cornerstone of our faith, the, the beginning, the starting point, and the place that we measure from. And through this adventure, we've learned a little bit about ourselves. We've learned that we don't get to place the blocks in our life when we choose to follow Jesus, but we place them off of him. We've learned that he's the greatest teacher and the person that we turn to to learn from and to grow. Uh, we've learned that Jesus was a great shepherd who intended to care for us, lead and guide us into great and really fulfilled lives. Maybe not easy lives, but fulfilled lives. But we've learned that without Jesus, that we're just damned. We're, we're bound for hell and destruction. Uh, that through Jesus, that we're redeemed and freed of slavery to sin and to death. That we have an opportunity to enter into genuine and deep relationship with God the Father and with Jesus through his sacrifice. We've learned so much, not just about Jesus in this collection, but we've also learned a tremendous amount about ourselves. Now, there's a lot of different titles for Jesus and names that he carried that we could actually tap into throughout the remainder of this series. But with it ending tonight, what we really wanted to do was wrap it up with what I think is maybe the most impactful title that Jesus carried. The one that has the most shaping power over our lives. There's lots of ones that we could talk about, but tonight we're going to talk about the title Lord, L-O-R-D, Lord. Now, before I dive into that, I want to tell you a quick story about my own family. 
Many of you know this. This is probably on a bingo card somewhere, but my wife and I have two children. One's Brooklyn, the other's Ari. Brooklyn, our oldest and firstborn child, is disciplined and direct. She doesn't want to be in trouble ever, and she listens usually really, really well. She's very, very rarely breaks the rules and is almost always trying to make sure that the people around her are happy. I'm sure sometime down the road she'll have to meet with a counselor to deal with her people-pleasing tendencies, but the point is that raising her most of the time is a joy. Now, my younger daughter is more like the seeds of chaos. You know, she's like the child that wants to set things on fire. Uh, like everything around her has to be just a hint of unpredictability and just a little bit of chaos. You're never 100% sure what you're going to walk into with her. She's three years old and she's pure fire. And, and I get it because I am too. You know, like in my life, I like a little bit of chaos. I, I like sort of like a, a funneled and directed amount of unpredictability in my life. It keeps me energized and it keeps life fun. And I like a challenge. So I totally understand the energy that is all bottled up inside of my three-year-old daughter. And I absolutely love her for it. But with that comes all of the desire to challenge and push back on any authority that might be imposed on you. And I understand that fully well, fully as well, because I don't love being told what to do. And my three-year-old doesn't love being told what to do. And for that reason, she can be a challenge to raise from time to time. There are days when she really pushes our buttons. And on top of that, she has an incredibly adorable smile and giant eyes, and she is so incredibly cute and knows it, so she uses that in her favor to be able to make us laugh or crack a smile in the middle of disciplining her. I remember learning how to do that later in life, like making my mom or my dad laugh whenever I was in trouble to try to get out of trouble. But I feel like I didn't learn that or pick up on that until I was like a teenager. Whereas my three-year-old has the emotional intelligence of a teenager, it seems. And so therefore has already picked up on her ability to get out of trouble by making us smile or making us laugh mid-discipline. So oftentimes it becomes really hard to make sure that she's behaving because she just knows how to both get under our skin and also how to make us laugh. And she's adorable while she's doing all of it. I tell you all of that to say that we've learned one tactic that tends to work with her. And I'm not a parenting pro by any means, but this is one of the things that we've used with both of our kids that has had a tendency to work. We ask them a simple question. Whenever one of my children is misbehaving or refusing to listen to me, I frequently ask them, hey, who's the boss? Uh, I'll say, hey, Brooklyn, who's the boss? Hey, Ari, who's the boss? So on my daughter's third night of hunger strike, when she won't eat a meal that we know that she loves and we're telling her, Ari, you need to eat and she refuses. Sometimes I just look at her and I say, hey, Ari, who's the boss? She usually gets this like slight snicker or a grin just on the one side of her face. And it dawns on her that when she answers the question that she's a little trapped, right? Because if she says, I'm the boss, well, she knows that she'll be in trouble. And if she says that dad's the boss, well, then she knows that she has to do whatever I say. And sometimes if she's feeling particularly like tricky, I'll say, who's the boss? And she'll say, mom's the boss straight to my face. And it's sort of like this little jab at me and at the same time answering the question just to remind me who's truly in charge inside the domain of my home, which is a 
hundred percent usually my wife. Now, before all of the Christians start just typing out angry letters and emails and Discord messages about how I'm the Lord of my home and I must lead my family, let me remind you that the Bible does promote mutual submission inside of your household and inside of your marriage. And Jesus did also clearly say that the last would be first and the first would be last. So we should serve our wives sacrificially. And so therefore, when it comes to the things inside my house, well, my wife rules the roost. When it comes to big decisions and life-changing or altering stuff, we do those things together. But when it comes to keeping the house clean or what the kids are going to eat for dinner, well, that's my wife's decision. I, I say all of that to say that my daughter will look for any way to get out and away from the question of who's the boss, which is a major question that we have in life. Most of us at one point or another, or almost all the time, are asking a pretty simple question about our life, about our surroundings, about our work, about our school, about our friendship circle, right? We're simply asking, who's the boss? We're looking around and we want to know who's really in charge here. But when we're at work, we're looking and saying, is the manager the boss? Is the supervisor the boss? Is he the one who's really calling the shots? Or, or is it the girl who works over there in the office who isn't technically the boss by title, but everybody defers to her because of her personality or because of her experience? She just sort of has a commanding aura about her. Or, or maybe we're at school or in our friendship group and we want to know, like, who's the boss? Who's the bottom or who's at the top of the pecking order? I, I remember for a long time in like fifth and sixth grade that I was definitely not the boss. It was very clear. Even amongst my friends, I was at the bottom of the pecking order. It took me until ninth grade to desperately pull my head above those waters. And somebody else, inevitably in ninth grade from my friendship group, ended up becoming the low guy on the totem pole and the last guy in the pecking order. Because we're always asking that simple question. Who's the boss in any scenario? And a lot of times as we grow older, that question becomes a little bit more like, could I be the boss? <laughs> like, who's the boss in this? Maybe it's me. Like, maybe I could be the boss. And then we start looking for times and ways to be the boss, right? We look for seasons or vacations, right? Where we can get away from work or there's not somebody telling us what to do. We look for escape. We go to video games or, or maybe we just go to our favorite quiet space with a book. Or, or maybe there's a spot outside in the woods or maybe it's just on our tractor as we're mowing the grass. Whatever it may be, the thing that we're doing, we're looking for that quiet spot where I can say for a brief couple of moments, I am the boss. Thank goodness. Why do you think men have man, man caves? Well, they can't be the boss at any other point in their house, and the wife has to give them a place where they can be a boss, at least for a little bit, in their own little slice. I saw an Instagram reel about that the other day, which I thought was absolutely hilarious, by the way. My point is, we're looking for places that we're the boss. And if you were writing down on your uh, bingo card a time that I say my point is, you've actually checked it off like six times by now. We're always looking, and we're trying to figure out Who's in charge around here? Well, the same can be true about our life as followers of Jesus. We have a simple question about who is the boss. And Jesus actually has a title that pertains to that. And it comes to us from the book of Revelation. It's one of the more powerful images. It's probably the most powerful image that we're actually going to get into in this, in this series. It's written by a guy named John. Now, John was a close follower of Jesus and one of, if not his closest friend. After Jesus died and rose to life, Jesus spent the rest of his life dedicated to building the first church. And towards the end of his life, he was exiled to an island that became his prison until death. Now, while he was on this island, he received visions of what the future would hold and what would happen to heaven and earth in the distant future. 
And whenever he received those visions, he wrote them down in this incredibly elaborate encrypted book that we call the book of Revelation. It comes at the very end of the Bible. It's a really powerful book, and we're only going to look at one small section of it tonight. It actually comes from towards the end, uh, Revelation chapter 19. And John is talking about Jesus' triumphant return. He's a He's like astride a, a white horse uh, riding through with a sword and a legion of angels coming with him as he returns to earth. And we're going to look at it in Revelation, starting in chapter 19, verse 12 together. His, that means Jesus' eyes, were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dripped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in, fine, in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like like juice flowing from a wine press on his robe at his thigh was written this title king of kings and lord of lords revelation 19 12 through 16 now this is a very different jesus depicted here than probably any other version of jesus that we've looked at i mean this is metal jesus right like if you're going to get a tattoo of jesus and you're a metalhead you probably don't want to get white haired or white skinned brown flowing hair sheep over shoulder friendly jesus you probably want to get like total metal bloody robe sword from the mouth slaying his enemies up stride a white steed jesus right with the legions of heaven coming before him bringing the wrath of god upon the earth this jesus is an intense jesus and probably does make a better tattoo than sheep jesus but if you have a sheep jesus tattoo please no offense you probably have an awesome sheep jesus tattoo my point is this jesus he has an entirely different vibe than any of the other jesus's that we saw and we could talk at length about the various aspects of this vision that John had. But what I really want to focus in on is the last couple of phrases. Because Jesus is coming in all of his might and glory, yet John takes a recognition of, of something that's written on his robe at his hip, which is a title. Coming out of the glories of heaven, he has on his hip written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The heck does that mean? Well, if we examine what it means, we can actually look at what those Greek words actually meant. So the Greek word for king meant ruler, quite literally. It meant ruler. There was a lot of kings in Jesus' time. But there was a special word for king, a unique word for king. That didn't just mean ruler, it meant ruler of rulers. Like elite ruler. And it was a name that was reserved in Roman culture exclusively for Caesar. That he was the king of the kings. He was the big K king. But when we read the Bible, we actually see that Jesus is born during a time where there's a king in Israel named Herod. Which is a little confusing because Jesus' entire life, he's ruled by the Romans. So how could there be a guy named Herod who was king? Well, they had all sorts of localized kings in the Roman Empire. But they only had one big K king. The guy who was king over everybody. So instead of looking and saying there's only one king, think of it more like there's two types of kings. There's a higher level king and that's reserved exclusively for the imperial ruler. And then there's all these lower level kings or governors 
governors who are entrusted with various tracts of ground and kingdoms and religious groups and all of that sort of stuff. And the Roman Empire was largely pretty good to you. They allowed you to practice your own faith, your own religion, and keep your homes, provided that you would swear, swear fealty to Caesar, that he would be the big K king for you. But here we see Jesus called the king of kings. Lord meant owner, uh, but like undisputed owner, right? It, it meant total and complete ownership. So if, if I was the Lord of this water bottle, which is a completely silly analogy, I'd be the total and complete owner of this water bottle, which I think I am because I've drank from it. So nobody else wants to. But when somebody became your Lord or your owner, it wasn't so much speaking of slavery, but it was speaking of loyalty. Now, the Romans had a tremendous number of slaves. But when we look at this passage, we know that the average Jew, we, we you and I probably don't use the word Lord today very often, right? And hundreds of years later, it was used to describe different levels of sort of royalty or nobility and sort of like Anglo-Saxon culture. But this idea of a Lord meant total and complete owner and master to the Jewish listener 2,000 years ago. And so when John writes that on his hip was written King of Kings and Lord of Lords, what he was saying was Jesus is the ruler of all rulers. That Jesus is the total owner, the complete master and owner of all complete masters and owners. That everything is underneath of his rulership. He's the big K King. And everything is under his ownership. He's the big L Lord. Now, this is something that might not be too crazy or wild for us, but back then, 2,000 years ago, it was something that was punishable by death. You want to know why a lot of Christians were tortured, drawn to pieces, were cut to pieces with swords, were literally put inside of cages and lit on fire to light dinner parties for emperors, why they were sacrificed inside the Colosseums, why they were run through in the streets, why they were stoned to death in the public. It's because they would not say Caesar is Lord. Capital L, Lord. They reserved the spot for Lord, owner, and master exclusively to Jesus. And because of that, they were killed. Because of that, they were hunted and persecuted and murdered. And today, in some places of the world, they still are hunted and persecuted and murdered because they call Jesus, big L, capital L, Lord of their life. Now, I think a lot of the things that we run into today, and it, I grew up in the church, so I see this inside the church and I understand it from a church perspective, right? But I think it's equally true from outside. We don't swear loyalty to or give allegiance to some king. Uh, there's not some Caesar who's saying, if you don't make me capital L Lord of your life, then, well, I'm going to put you in a cage and set you on fire. I'm going to throw you into a coliseum. But the reality is, for many of us, what has become capital L Lord of our lives, who's the boss, has become us. Many of us want a capital S Savior and a lowercase l Lord. Many of us want a capital S savior, but we want a lowercase L Lord. 
In other words, we want a God that saves us from our own sins and our own destructive patterns, that saves us from addiction, but we want freedom to be able to do whatever we want to do. We don't want to have a master. We don't want to have an owner. We don't, we don't want to have a Lord. But true and genuine freedom, the ability to do whatever we want, to be our own master, to be our own Lord is false. Think about it. For many of us, maybe we desired to be like our own person, right? And so we started our own business to be able to make our own schedule, be able to decide our own things, only to find us to be enslaved to the inner drive and fear of failure or to become a slave to the lender, the person that we borrowed money from to start the business, we became a slave to the customer or whomever is purchasing things off of us. Some of us have sought escape and freedom and lordship in our own life through escapism, and we found ourselves in the brutal clutches of a nasty slave driver called addiction. Some of us have sought freedom and the ability to be lord of our own life through relationship, only to find ourselves trapped. We've found a new lord inside of materialism and inside of security, only to find ourselves enslaved to the stock market and to the ebbs and flows of finances and to materialism. I'm not saying we can't find a sense of freedom in our life. I'm just saying that there are many things that compete for Lord of our life. And the idea that we have full mastery over ourselves and over our own futures, our own destinies, however you want to say it, whatever you want to call it, that we can be capital L Lord of our lives and nothing else will take that place is usually just not true. Most of us find that in our attempt to seek freedom and liberty and to be the capital L Lord of our own life, we end up in bondage and enslaved to something else because that's just simply the way the world works. I'm not saying that we're enslaved in such a way that we're not given liberty or freedom or free will or choice. I think we have all of those things. I'm just saying that there are a lot of nasty taskmasters in the world. There's a lot of really nasty lords that we tend to bow our knee to when we decide that Jesus is going to be the lowercase L Lord of our lives and we're going to be the uppercase L. This is so important because another passage comes to us from the book of John or the book of Romans. Rather, Paul says this to a group of Jews and Gentiles who are reforming a church in the city of Rome. He says this in Romans chapter 10, nine, and we're going to close it up. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Here, Paul is giving direct instruction on how to embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord. He says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Some of us, once again, want the Savior, but we don't want the Lord. That's not how it works. We can't have the capital S Savior without having the capital L Lord. Either we get to be in control of our lives and control of our eternal destination or Jesus does. I think one of the biggest issues that we have inside of the church as a whole, when I look out over it, is we have a lot of people that quite frankly haven't come to terms with the fact that to follow Jesus, he has to be the undisputed ruler, owner, director of our lives. That we swear fealty and surrender to him. That he becomes our Lord, our owner, our master. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's not a casual partnership where I kind of get to do my own thing and I occasionally get to do his thing. It's not like we meet in the middle occasionally and high five. 
She says, I have life for you and I have it to the full. But you've got to surrender all of the other lords in your life. I have to be Lord of lords. I have to be ruler of rulers. I have to be king of kings. There can be none other. I won't compete, but I will wait. And we sort of joke and fool ourselves thinking, well, maybe I can kind of meet in the middle and maybe I can trick Jesus into giving me direction or leading my life, but I don't really want him to be Lord. I want to keep control. I want to have my hand on the steering wheel. Jesus, take one hand on the steering wheel. I'm going to keep the other hand on the steering wheel. Jesus, get your hands off the steering wheel. I'm going to lead, guide, and direct my life. But having a Lord, capital L, Lord, means that we don't get to be a capital L, which is really our why it matters point this week. It's this, if Jesus is our capital L Lord, we can't be. If Jesus is our capital L Lord, we can't be. In other words, if we're going to claim to be followers of Jesus, if you want to know what it really means to embrace Jesus as Savior and as Lord, it means embracing him as owner and master as well. I think this is one of the things that we just miss. Jesus just kind of becomes something that's tacked on to our already established life. He's like a piece of the pie. He's, he's kind of got a slice. We're unwilling to surrender it all. So what is Jesus bordering in your life right now? What, what, where is he in the slice? What, what piece of the slice is Jesus in right now in your life? And he's trying to let, he's, he's asking you patiently. He's not forcing his way. It's just right there, and he's saying, let me in. Let me into another slice. Let me take leadership and ownership and lordship over another slice. Submit, surrender another piece to me. I have something better for you. I've, I've prepared something better for you. I've written something better for you. I have a better part for you to play. You think this little thing that you have over here is so precious to you. And, and if you give it up, you think I'm going to destroy it. Or you think I'm going to capture it. You think I'm going to make you leave it behind. But I'm going to make it right. And I'm going to make it new. I desire to take all of these other things of your life that you're not giving over to me. And I want to make something new out of them. I'm making you something new. I have something better for you. Doesn't mean that it's easier. I have something better for you. You're never going to know it and you're never going to experience it if you don't surrender the slices. God has something beautiful in store for our lives. It's an amazing and beautiful plan for you. He's not a tyrannical leader like the other lords in your life that are mastering slices of the pie, that are demanding things from you, that are enslaving you, and that are dragging you down. He's here to give liberty and freedom and new life. He's not going to force his way in. So are you prepared and ready to surrender the next slice of your life to the Lordship of Jesus? Perhaps tonight you're here for the very first time and you've never given anything to him. But you hear me talking and you're saying, my life isn't going so well. I have a lot of lords. I have a lot of pretty brutal taskmasters. I have a lot of people who are controlling me and running my life and I'm looking for freedom. But every time I think I grab hold of it, I just find myself enslaved again. If you're here tonight, can I just tell you that Jesus loves you? He cares deeply for you. He desires something better for you. That there is a God who cares for you so deeply that he sacrificed himself for you to show you his deep and astounding love for you. That although the world was screwed up, 
that although everything was broken and horrible things have happened, he was a glimmer of hope and grace and forgiveness amongst an otherwise dark and bitter landscape. There's an opportunity for you to surrender another part of your life to him. So you're here tonight and you've never given any part of your life. It's as simple as asking him to come into your life, of surrendering and saying, Jesus, come into my life. I give over my life to you. Come in and make me new. It's as hard as then living the rest of your life, learning to surrender each and every piece of who you are to the Lordship and the direction of Jesus and learning to believe and have faith that his intentions and builds for your life are always going to be better than your own. And we'd love to go on that journey with you. So if you're here tonight and you're just like, I'm ready to give my life over to Jesus, or if you're here tonight and you're like, I've been walking away and I'm ready to give up another slice of my life. If you're here and you feel like Jesus is calling you and beckoning you to surrender another piece under his lordship, and you just have to give it over to him, would you put a five in the chat? Would you put a five in the chat? Would you just raise your hand? And just say, Jesus, I need you to come in and take over another slice. I'm submitting and I'm surrendering something else to you. Come in and take over. Or I'm surrendering and submitting the first part of myself to you tonight. Throw a five in the chat if that's where you are. If you're ready to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus in your own life. I know there's things in mind that I'm still hanging on to, that I'm still trying to control, that I still want to be the big L Lord of in my life. I know there's things that God is calling me and putting on my heart to surrender to him. I see those vibes. I love you guys and I appreciate you. If there's stuff that you got going on right now that you need to talk about, just know that we're here for you. I'm going to close in prayer, but I want to challenge you. Do not go anywhere. As soon as we come back after prayer, we're going to have a brief intermission. And then we have a really special event tonight. We have Salty and Katie who are going to be dedicating Shiloh their daughter to the Lord tonight. We're going to be doing an infant and child dedication and a game giveaway at the very end of service. So stick around for both of those things. Let me pray and we'll be back in a moment. Father God, I thank you for all those fives in chat, all the folks who are saying there's something else that I need to surrender. There's something else that I need to give up. I'm done being the capital L Lord of anything in my life. I'm giving something over to you tonight, Jesus. I'm surrendering it to you. I'm letting your Lordship reign over this area of my life. I'm done trying to master it. I'm done done being enslaved to it. I just want you to come in and bring wholeness and newness and freshness. I pray for those who are here tonight who are surrendering and giving up a portion of their life for the very first time. They're saying, I do not know this guy. I don't even know what the heck he's talking about. But I believe that there's a God right now and I believe that he wants to have a relationship with me and I'm asking him to come into my life and to change me. I need a fresh start. And I pray, Father, for those who are here in the chat tonight who need a fresh start, that they would receive a fresh start in the power of your Holy Spirit tonight, Lord. I love you and I thank you. In your name we pray, amen. We're going for a brief intermission, then we'll be right back on the couch for an awesome infant and child dedication. We're going to be doing infinite child dedication with Salty and Katie and Shiloh here in just a moment.